the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for supporting the show. One of the things I like to do is to say, you listen, I'll do my best to try to craft a show for you. One thing I don't do a lot of is give out market numbers. As I've gotten older, I've seen a lot less importance in market numbers. And I hope you appreciate that. I could blow a lot of time by going, the market's down two points on the S&P 500, and now the Dow's down 12 points. But, oh, look, it just cracked back to positive. I don't think you need that kind of mentality. Um... Microsoft down five points. <laughs> I'm not Microsoft. I should be careful what I say. I could scare some people in their portfolios. But I'm just not a big guy into getting you to think minute to minute. Uh, low interest rates are creating havoc. The pain created by low interest rates is misunderstood and not talked about. Uh, for the last 10 plus years, basically since 9-11, we've been in an environment where we don't reward we don't reward our senior citizens. Um, you can't put money in a bank and get a good safe return. Central banks don't understand the huge pain low interest rates cause to the long term rates uh, and long term interest of companies like insurance companies or pension funds. Uh, it's a global phenomenon that global interest rates are creating huge pain. You know, Netflix doing as well as it's doing, and the golden age television's dwindling a bit, that could cause huge pain for the NFL and Major League Baseball salaries. Because if more people continue to go to Netflix and cut the cord, if more people stop watching sports, or they don't have the device to watch sports, there's ramifications. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, talking a little Roth conversions this is getting more and more media press. This is getting more and more talk in the financial planning community. What is a Roth conversion? Why do we want to think about it and consider it? Well, let me tell you the, the part where you really need to consider it the most and then a couple of other circumstances. The, the biggest point in time of your life where you really need to look at the Roth conversion is between retirement date and that age 70 and a half. 
Because what most people are finally realizing is that at 70 and a half, you're forced to pull money out of your IRAs, 401ks, 403ps, 403bs, even if you don't want to. You're forced to pull money out. And so people have a very low tax bracket. Let's say they retire at 65 to 70, and then all of a sudden their tax bracket blows up, and they have no control over it. And so one of the things that you – those that retire with diversified asset bases, in other words, they have cash, they have uh, taxable accounts, brokerage funds, brokerage accounts with stocks and funds and ETFs, and pre-tax retirement accounts is what you can do is maximize your existing brackets by doing small Roth conversions – to maximize your tax bracket each year. So in other words, there's a huge limit at the at the 15% to 20% or 25% bracket where if you're a person, you always know you're going to be at the 25% marginal bracket and you talk to your CPA in November and you say, how much more income can I have at this bracket? And they say, well, you could have another $30,000 and you'd still be at the 25% marginal bracket. Well, that person, if they're always going to be at that bracket, should consider converting 30000 of their IRA into a Roth IRA so that they start that clock on, the, on having a tax-free account. And even if you do a small amount, you, you put it into account, that five-year time clock starts at the first conversion. If you're over 59 and a half, it's just that, that, that clock starts ticking on the first conversion. You don't have to redo it on the last conversion. So really maximizing your bracket, creating that tax-free account, it does two things. It gives you a tax-free account for the rest of your life, and it gives you an account that you can leave to your kids that they can continue tax-free growth for, growth for the rest of their lives, and it reduces the amount of forced taxable income you have at age 70 and a half. The key, though, is, is that when you do these Roth conversions, you have to have cash on the sidelines to pay the taxes. You can't pay the taxes out of the account that you convert. Okay. You want to make even more complicated by telling you a cool rule oh god see i was going to ask you to make things simpler because well, what you just said i think most people are intimidated by comparing tax brackets and doing this and doing that it's pretty intimidating what you just threw out you know retirement is intimidating retirement takes some education it takes some work and takes some planning you can't just pull the trigger and just do it um you know, you give exo examples of Social Security by maximizing that by doing the file and suspend options where you can get a couple hundred thousand dollars out of Social Security that you didn't think you could get. Same thing with tax brackets. You have to know what a marginal bracket is and be able to have an accountant or CPA that does modeling for you or works with your financial advisor to do it. Um, the great thing about a Roth conversion is you have until October 15th of next year to change your mind. So let's say you decide I'm going to convert. $50,000 of my IRA to a Roth, right? You've paid the taxes based on $50,000. The next year you have 2009, right? 2008, 2009 type of a year. And you go, oh, great. My account's worth 30, but I paid taxes at 50, right? You can, by October 15th of the next year, recharacterize, change your mind and reverse the deal and then go back and do it again at a much lower tax consequence. So you knowing the rules and knowing that once you do it, you still have to monitor the success of the account. Uh, it's pretty important. It's a good part of retirement plan that people should think about. So what's the first step in that? The first step is saying, okay, am I somebody that should consider it? And that is that do you have cash on the sidelines? Okay. So if you don't have any cash to pay the taxes with, right. it's not for you. Okay. Um, second, do you have a long-term cash flow projection that includes tax projections? Because that's the only way that you have the ability to look at it and say, what's my tax bracket going to be like now versus age 70 and a half when I have to start pulling money out of my IRAs? Um, you know, if you're always going to be at a very low bracket, 
then it might not be for you either. But if you have an IRA that you probably won't use and you want to leave it to your grandkids, that's really for you because then you're leaving them a tax-free account. So if you have a 401k right now with $100,000 in it and you're 35 years old and you have an extra $30,000 laying around, that's going to basically cover most of your taxes. You can't. There, you are starting to see plans that will allow in-plan 401k conversions to the in-plan Roth account. Okay. I never recommend those Why? because in that situation, you can't change your mind by October 15th. But what if you're sure you want to do it? I still don't recommend it. Um, now, start funding the Roth 401k side maybe if you're at a low bracket. But yeah. 30000 that's not much on the sidelines. You need six months' worth of expenses and sa- save money, and you need to start building outside retirement account assets by investing in total stock market funds and things like that. So I would say for most of the time when people are in a basic situation where they're still working and earning a lot, I don't often recommend Roth conversions. Okay. It's those situations where that between retirement and 70 and a half, that works. Somebody goes on sabbatical or takes some time off and they're at an unusually low tax bracket for a year or two, that works. Or a grandma doesn't use her IRA, she wants it to leave it to her grandkids, that works. Thanks very much. That's CFP Chad Burton. If you want to explore this with him, contact him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. And you can listen to his shows heard here daily from 1 to 2 p.m. on KDOW, the new focus on wealth. I'm Rob Black, and that's Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for being a part of the show. So taking a look at some of the headlines out there. Yahoo and Microsoft amended a search accord, and that's actually really big news. Uh, because Yahoo, if you strip out Alibaba and if you strip out Yahoo Japan, you're getting the shares for nothing. If they can figure out how to get some revenue going, and this should pull in half a billion to a billion dollars, if they either rework with Google for selling ads or they sell their own ads, um, that could drive the stock up five, six, seven points over the next year. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. One of the things I mentioned earlier was that there's sometimes unintended consequences. You know, the NFL and Major League Baseball have been signing these big, big television deals. So when I see Netflix come out and to stomp the expectations for growth in the United States, I worry about the NFL and Major League Baseball. Can, sal- can salaries go only higher and higher? No. Mathematically, at some point in time, they have to max out. Are we there? I don't know. I, I would guess that we're getting pretty close. For the le- longest time, Netflix has been a threat to HBO, but it's really a threat to conventional TV, in my opinion. After all, the companies are in a similar business, HBO and Netflix, they create original TV programming. They also run syndicated programming. Netflix executives have played up the comparison. In January of 2013, the chief content officer, a guy named Ted Sarandos, 
said it's our goal to become HBO fast and HBO can become us. Netflix's real ambition is much grander than HBO. Netflix CEO doesn't want to kill HBO. He wants to kill traditional TV. And in the conference call yesterday, he said that. Listen to this. He goes, Linear TV, Reed Hastings, CEO of Netflix, said, Linear TV has been an amazing 50-year run. Internet TV is starting to grow. Clearly, over the next 20 years, Internet TV is going to replace linear TV. And I think everyone's scrambling how to figure out how they, to do great apps. How do they like, you know, something that's really fantastic. That's all getting built up, and so it's a transition into figuring out the Internet. And the way people do that is to get involved with us, with our competitors, to try to start to learn what the new patterns and modalities, because TV, Internet TV, is the way that people consume video in the future. So says Reed Hastings. And it's tough to argue with them. Um, the only thing that's appointment TV now are sports games. And you can get many of these sports games with a digital antenna tied towards your TV. HBO just launched HBO Now, which is much like Netflix. It's an internet-based on-demand streaming service. It costs 15 bucks a month, 14.99. Hulu is another internet-based streaming video service. Amazon offers video streaming with Prime Instant Video. CBS is going to launch its own video streaming app. Sports leagues are offering their own video streaming apps as well. Sometimes the downside on that is you can't get your home games. You can get everything else but the home games, and that stinks. Dish has started Sling TV, a $20 per month streaming service that offers up to, it offers up a limited but very good bundle of channels. Apple's getting ready to launch a streaming video service to replace traditional linear TV this fall. So I think Reed Hastings is a little bit early in saying that linear TV's dead, but it's certainly looking that way. Netflix is the pioneer in the space. It was the first subscription streaming service that gained widespread adoption. Watching shows through Netflix is a vastly superior experience than watching them through traditional channels. The shows are all available on demand without any advertisements. Netflix added 2.3 million new domestic subscribers and 2.6 million international subscribers. Ahead of expectations. Let me repeat one thing. With Netflix, all the shows are on demand without any advertisements. Oh, Facebook loves that. Because if we're changing towards watching TV online, and we are, then we're not watching TV on TV, then the advertisers have to go somewhere, and where they're going to go, it's going to be Facebook. So Netflix forecast adding 2.5 million more subscribers in the second quarter of the year. Stock up huge today. Strong original programming, House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Bloodline, other shows are drawing in subscribers. So while HBO uh, is getting in the business, again, that's just, that's, it's a competitor of Netflix, but it's also going to hurt linear TV. So Reed Hastings talked about HBO on the conference call last night. He said, I think HBO at $15 is great value. He says, I traditionally paid more than $15 for my cable company for it. So I think they're doing great work with a premium content. It does create an obvious underline of just how great the value of Netflix with prices ranging from $7.99 to $11.99 are. And Hastings says, we're pretty comfortable with the strategy. We're continuing to grow the strategy, and it's an incredible value. 
I think that you should really think about all the internet services, HBO Now, Netflix, Hulu. They're great values in comparison to big bundles. So there's going to be some ramifications. I own shares of Disney. Uh, how about Nike? You know, if sports leagues start losing their big sponsor deals with television, will they sign up with Netflix or Periscope? Will they sign up with HBO or Google? You know, down the road, I think the Googles are going to be the TV suppliers because they're in position with cash. Will ABC, NBC, CBS go away? No. But they're growing a lot less relevant. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. If you want to retire, there's a great website uh, that you can go to to try to figure out your life expectancy. Um, I highly suggest figuring that out before you retire, but also just do it today. It's called How to Live to um, What is it called? Uh, LivingTo100.com. LivingTo100.com. There's three things that you have to figure out before you retire. Your life expectancy, your health, and your income needs. Health problems have a big influence on your decision to retire early. Um, one analysis from the National Institute of Aging, Health, and Retirement Study suggests poor health is a stronger influence in financial variables on people's decision to retire. More than one-third of people age 55 to 59 cite poor health as being very important in their decision to retire. But it's less of a consideration amongst those 60 and older. You need to figure out your income needs. So you need to go to socialsecurity.gov, you need to look at your pensions, your 401k, your IRAs, all your savings, and figure out how much you could live off, how much you're going to need as a basic, how much you want as a luxury. Out of all your assets, you need to probably draw somewhere around 4% a year. No more, not too much less, hopefully. You want to look at your life expectancy because that goes into your health and it goes into your income. So living to 100 is a great place to start, and that's where you can be more realistic with yourself on what you're going to get in retirement and how much you can pay yourself. So you want to know when you can retire? You do those three things, put that model together, and I think you'll be well on your way to understanding where you stand. Got a seminar coming up a couple Saturdays from now. I'm doing a Money 101 in the morning. Chad's doing a Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning in the afternoon in San Jose. The Money 101 is for people 45 or under who are really, you know, new to the workforce, kind of maybe long in the workforce, but new to thinking about retirement. It's about insurance, about investing, it's about portfolios, it's about stock picking, and much, much more. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Talk about. But first and foremost, let's go to Chris Siaccia. 
tech editor at thestreet.com. How are you, Chris? Good, Rob. How are you doing today? Good. I'm kind of a de- I always like talking to you because we always talk things that I am fascinated by, the Bay Area is fascinated by. But it seems like the stories are really rich in the first you know, three months, four months of the year so far for technology. Let's start with Netflix and what they did after the quarter last night. Uh, what did you see in their report? What, what's, what's incredible is that not only is Netflix growing outside the U.S., it's that it's growing pretty healthy here inside. They added close to 5 million subscribers in the first quarter last night, with the majority of this coming uh, internationally, but there's still real healthy growth inside the U.S., so there's still a big opportunity for Netflix ultimately to get to between you know, between 60 and 90 million subscribers here in the U.S., and then possibly you know, another 100 million or so around the globe so there's still, uh, you know, a, a big runway for for Netflix's growth, you know, over the next few years. It's pretty fascinating because they went from the DVD delivery. They tried to split that business into streaming versus DVD, kind of blew up in their face, and they've had the Midas touch ever since. And Reed Hastings looks smarter and smarter for the concept of streaming. Um, how about the regulations that went through Congress or went through the Supreme Court, not through the FCC, excuse me, about um, having Internet rights? Is that something that's going to help them and or not? Yeah, I, I think that's something that's going to help them. I think, you know, by making the, the Internet becoming, you know, this public utility, which it really should be, um, and so that Netflix doesn't have to worry about having – you know, it's it's services, you know, buffer, and the same thing goes for other companies as well because nobody wants to sit down and watch a movie or uh, a TV show or something and then have it buffer for 10 seconds, 15 seconds. So I think that, you know, Congress has kind of been on, on the right side of this, and, you know, the same thing with, uh, with the uh, FCC. So I think this is something that, you know, is going to play out over time, but right now... It, the ball seems to be in Netflix's court, and they seem to be on, on the, the right side of the leaderboard. Analysts are saying some pretty loving things about Netflix today. For instance, they can replicate its model globally, drive significant scale benefits, grow margins. Uh, one analyst said, expect investors to look past the blow. Expectations profit guide for 2015 second quarter, but great strategic imperative in global expansion management. Um, Another one says Netflix is on track significantly to disrupt the linear TV market through strong subscriber growth, content differentiation, and a better consumer proposition. Analysts love it. Does that worry you at all, or is it just a validation that we are watching more content on tablets, smartphones, and Internet TVs? No, I think it's a validation. I know in my own personal life, I, I, I watch a lot of movies and TV shows on my phone and my tablet. I mean, of course, I watch, you know, a fair amount on TV, too, but I find, you know, sometimes I just don't want to turn on the TV. And, you know, it's just it's easier to pick up my phone or my tablet, and it's more convenient for me. And I suspect, you know, I'm a lot lot like, you know, a lot of other people in this country and around the world that are doing that. So that's something that's going to benefit Netflix over time. Because the availability of Netflix being on so many different devices just helps them. Because you can just pick up a phone, you have an internet connection, and bam, you can get on Netflix. So it's just it makes things easier, and that's what you know Netflix is really all about is convenience. 
Anything else that we have to hit on Netflix? No, I, I think, you know, we're, uh, there's a lot of growth priced right now into the stock. I saw that one okay. analyst actually put a $900 price target on on the stock, and that's, you know, almost 80% upside from these levels, and the stock's up, you know, almost 4,000% over the past decade. So that's a lot of, you know, expected growth, you know, in the next 12 to 18 months. So I'd be a little bit cautious. Um you know, I'm not. I'm not saying I wouldn't say to sell the stock, but you know, I wouldn't be, uh, you know, super super bullish at these levels. I don't think that there's, you know, a, a huge huge amount of upside, at least you know, in the, in the intermediate term. Um, so if if you're trading the stock, you know, I would be a little bit cautious and maybe take some profits here. You've recently written another piece about Apple, and everyone knows the Apple Watch and the orders and two-plus million international orders, and the iPhone 6 doing great, margins look great, everything they touch seems to turn to gold. But you did a piece that, a little unexpected, talking about their their solar plans. What did you find out about their solar plans? Uh, well, it's actually really interesting because Apple is as passionate about getting devices into your hands as they are about cleaning up the environment. Um, I spoke to... Apple's Vice President of Environmental Initiatives, Lisa Jackson, for a story. And we talked about the big solar farm deal that they announced with First Solar a couple of months ago. And what that entails is, obviously, Apple's spending a lot of money here, but it's going to provide them and shareholders with cost certainty because they'll actually know, you know, within a few million dollars or so, what their you know, energy costs are going to be. And Lisa said that, you know, it could potentially save them hundreds of millions of dollars over the life of the deal. And, and that's not, you know, nothing to sneeze at. That's, that's, if you're a shareholder in Apple, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, a big expenditure that you don't have to make. And, and that's money that can be put elsewhere. So they made a deal to put $848 million under a 25-year power purchase agreement with First Solar. Um, again, that probably helps Elon Musk because he's tied towards First Solar. Um, I guess I, I, mean, I guess I'm with you on the whole saving costs and you know, or setting this cost structure that we know is going to be there. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I'm not cynical. I'm not. But I kind of want them focusing on their products and not necessarily on solar. Does that? You start worrying when companies. I start worrying when companies start getting beyond their areas of expertise. Um, you know, it, it reminds me of Rome a little bit, where, you know, to keep people happy, they had to keep taking things to a more extreme level, and then ultimately Rome fell. Their, their spaceship new office building is beautiful, and getting into solar, it's a beautiful concept, but I hope it's not a bad sign. No, I mean, Apple is is, is a huge company, but they, they're still focused on making great products. I mean, they brought um, Jackson in from the EPA, a couple of years ago to work on things like this. You know, they've always been focused on cutting down energy costs. So I don't see this as um, any kind of, you know, move away from the company's strategic goals. So, I, I, you know, I think this is just something that, you know, every business needs to worry about because every business has to worry about energy expenditures. It's just the cost of doing business. And I just want to, you know, make a correction there. Musk is not involved in First Solar. He's actually involved in Solar City. He's the chairman solar of Solar City. Yeah, it's you not are First correct. Solar. 
So I've been corrected. The humiliation. <laughs> I'll get over it. Anything else, Chris, that you're working on that we need to be aware of? Uh, just, you know, again, I think, you know, the, the next thing that we need to really worry about in tech is outside of earnings is just, you know, Apple's developer conference and, and kind of where they take that. You know, there's been a lot of speculation they're going to unveil uh, a new uh, Apple TV and potentially an Apple TV streaming service to compete with Sling TV and Sony View. So I'm really kind of excited to see what Apple unveils at WWDC this year, more so than in previous years, because in the past it's just kind of been up some updates to iOS, uh, updates to OS X, and maybe a couple of new MacBooks. But this year I think you know they'll really continue to push more into services than they have in the past. So I think that's the next big thing to, to look out for the next few months. And their next big uh, conference is... June, right? Yeah, it's in the early part of June. Okay. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. It's Chris Siaccia with TheStreet.com talking a little bit of Netflix and a little bit of Apple. And uh, I think those are companies that we can all grasp the concept of and many of us use. Um, my issue with Netflix, and this is just a very small issue, it doesn't seem to be as adult-friendly as HBO but Netflix seems to be very kid-friendly. Um, but a couple adults I've talked to watch Netflix, but a lot of adults I talk to don't. And I'm just I'm wondering how many subscribers they can really get to. Um, now, again, the 18 to 35-year-old crowd's getting out of the house. They're starting to buy homes. They'll eventually make babies in those homes. And will their babies watch Netflix? Probably, especially since cable companies have just the worst PR in the world. Um, and that's tough to imagine, but it is true. So Netflix gains more users than projected. Their shares are exploding higher today. Um, and again, there's some stunning, stunning predictions for stock prices on that company at this point in time. Netflix added a better than expected 4.88 million subscribers. Streaming service sacrificed some profits to keep its aggressive international expansion going. Uh, the streaming TV and DVD by mail provider added 2.2 million streaming customers in the most recent period, better than the 1.8 million projected. That's a pretty healthy number. Um, and analysts, investors, uh, have been closely watching the Netflix U.S. growth since it showed signs of slowing last year, but it's picked it right back up. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. We'll take a break here. We'll come back. Don't be shy. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. You can find Chris Siaccia at thestreet.com. That's thestreet.com. Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show.
Anything on your mind, pick up the phone. Give me a call, 800-510. No. Forgot our phone number. 800-516-1220. Funny. So that doesn't happen every day. Um, couple things, couple things. Take a look at the market's action. Uh, we've had a very, very big move in the last six years. And that doesn't happen forever. <clears throat> you have to be cautious and respectful. You see things like Etsy come public and it goes up 100% in one day. That tells you that the company left a lot of money on the table. A lot of money. It was priced wrong. There was a stronger demand than they could have thought. Now, you don't want to price it too high, because that's bad as well. But that one was too low, and it's very speculative, it's telling you. Um, handmade, handmade goods, you know, the shares are roaring. A lot of people think Etsy could be kind of come like an, I don't want to say an Instagram, but that's something that people are throwing down out there. Um, they make handmade crafts, and it's peer-to-peer, but there's some stuff that's mass manufactured as well. And they pride themselves on being socially responsible. So if socially responsible is important to you, they're certified socially responsible. But the shares going up that much that fast freaks me out a little bit. I can't play that game. There was a show called In Living Color where one of the characters was Homie the Clown. And, you know, a kid would come up to Homie the Clown and say, Homie, Homie, can we make a pony? And he goes, Homie, don't play that game. Homie, don't play that game. And I'm kind of in that I don't play that game. I don't have to. I don't need to chase performance. But I certainly understand why some people will want to. Party City comes comes out, and they're going public after being private for a while. And that one freaks me out, too. They've got 860 party superstores in the U.S. Um, They think they could open up another 350 in North America. And they anticipate opening approximately 30 new stores a year. Ticker symbol PRTY. If you ever go into a party city, they've got, like, balloons... And Halloween costumes. And I just find their stuff to be cheap, cheaply made. And I don't know. Homie don't play that. I love that. Give me one more homie. Homie don't play Hmm. that. There we go. Thank you. Um, So I don't need to go after a company that's got 860 superstores. Now, the fact that they're opening 30 new stores a year, that, that excites me. But... To me, it's like Best Buy, Net, uh, Party City, Sears, JCPenney's, Macy's. What retailer do you want to go after? I'm going to take a pass on this one. And again, could it go up and make people lots of money? Sure. I'm just not going that, that direction. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. This was a bit of a shocker, making me feel pretty much so humiliated. An eight-year-old girl is making $127,000 a month making baking videos on YouTube. Uh, it's called Charlie's Crafty Kitchen. So YouTube gets a cut of the revenue. The channel has 29 million views each month. And her five-year-old sister Ashley plays the cute role of chief taste tester. And they make everything from 
Frozen-inspired Jello Pops to Minnie Mouse Oreo Pops. And I think it's great, you know, putting your kids in front of a device so they can watch other kids create content I think is very creative. Elsewhere in the world of YouTube, last year YouTube pleased many a web video creator and ad buyer by running a national ad campaign promoting some of its biggest stars. One of their biggest stars is Grace Helbig, who debuted a new talk show on the E-Network, jumping from world, internet world creation of content to real world. So there's a lot of um, crossover. <clears throat> Another YouTube star that's being showcased right around now is Hannah Hart, host of the show My Drunk Kitchen. You can kind of guess what that's going to be all about. And another star is a dude performing stunts. Think of them stealing the idea from Jackass on MTV. Dude Perfect, it's called. And digital agencies love it because you get young kids performing stunts. You know that they're 18 to 35, and you know that they're going to go out and, you know, they're more likely to be consumers. So lots going on in the world of YouTube, and that's not good for traditional TV. Like on my drunk kitchen, one of the things that they made was a taco potato. And it's kind of what you would imagine. Um, you get a baked potato, kind of hollow it out, and use that as your taco shell. People watch it. And I get it. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Um, anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Some of the other stories of note today include high earners are struggling to save. I found that story very interesting. Um, households with incomes of $75,000 or more, roughly a third of them live paycheck to paycheck, at least some of the time. A fourth of them with incomes over 100000 do the same. You would imagine more money equals more saving. Now, more money means same thing. Uh, no financial discipline that most of us don't have. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Thanks for listening to the show. You can find me online at robblack.com. And don't forget, I'm going to be in San Jose a couple Saturdays from now doing a Money One-On event. Learn more at robblack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.